Good morning, Encounter Church. Go ahead and grab your copy of God's Word, and let's make our way to the book of Jonah, shall we? The book of Jonah, and it's okay, because right now some of you are thinking, Jonah, where is Jonah? Jonah is actually near the back, near the end of the Old Testament, all right? So it might even be easier just for you to start in the book of Matthew and then start making your way, uh, turning left, Uh, If you need to use the table of contents, that is perfectly fine as well. What's important is just that you have a copy of God's Word uh, open before you, uh, so that way you can follow along with the sermon, the book of Jonah. You might find the book of Obadiah. Uh, You're almost there if you hit Obadiah. If you hit the book of Micah, you've gone one book too far. Stick it in reverse, all right? Uh, Jonah is where we're going to be spending our time. The title of this sermon series is A Reluctant Prophet, But a Merciful God. A reluctant prophet and a merciful God. And I'm not exactly sure how long this teaching series will last. Uh, might be four weeks, could be up to eight weeks. Maybe it'll take us to Christmas. Who knows? We'll see, right? Uh, but we're going to, and y'all should like be filled with fear and trembling to hear me say that at this point. Uh, but we've got uh, chapter one is what I'm going to begin with. And I'm actually going to read all of chapter one, okay? Because chapter one is the chapter that... Uh, All of us, maybe not all of us, many of us are probably most familiar with. And I just want to tell you children, because I know we've got our kids in here this morning. Uh, Pay attention, especially now, because I'm going to ask a few trivia questions for you in just a little bit. And I've got a couple prizes. All right, children? So pay attention. Uh, Let's go ahead and hopefully you've made your way there to Jonah chapter 1, starting in verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah son of Amidi, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. And such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and he said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that... We will not perish. And then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. And they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. And so they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And he answered, I am a Hebrew. And I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Why, this terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. And the sea was getting rougher and rougher, and so they asked him, What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, 
They could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. And then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. And then they took Jonah, they threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. And at this the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and they made vows to him. All right, children, if you are fifth grade or below, I've got a, quest- a few questions for you. These are not necessarily questions from chapter 1, but just to engage you in this morning's sermon, let me ask the first question and just raise your hand, okay? Make sure, children, raise your hand. What swallowed Jonah? All right, let's see, Elijah. What swallowed Don- Jonah? Well, what do you think? Jonah... A what? The, the ocean? What, what is in the ocean? Sharks. Sharks, yeah. What else? Maybe a great what? A big? A great white shark. Man, it's getting even better. I actually like your version better, Cooper. I think that'd be incredible. Tell you what, I'll give you both a piece of candy, all right? How's that? Close enough there, right? It, was, it wasn't a great white shark, but the Bible does tell us that it was a great fish. Right? A great fish. Good. Okay, so let me ask you another one. How many days and nights, okay, students, how many days and nights was Jonah in the belly of the great fish? Who knows? Now, we didn't read it in chapter 1. Like I said, a couple of these, these, these are going to get progressively more difficult. Ezra, how many days and nights? 40. 40. <laughs> Man, I tell you, this is a really good story. I like that one, too. That's a good... That's, 40 is an important number. It's used elsewhere. Let's give it another swing, okay? How, get, what's another number that sounds good? Seven? That's another good guess. That, yeah, that's good. Three. Three. There we go. All right. There we go. Good job. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. We got some work to do, teachers. <laughs> Parents. Boy. So, Jonah was swallowed by a great white shark, and he was in the belly for 40 days. Let's see what the next question brings to mind. For all of you online, you wish you were here. This is great. What city, what city did God tell Jonah to go to? What city, Anders? To the city of Nineveh. There you go. All right. Good. Okay. Lexington. Yeah. They need Jesus too, for sure. The next one then. And this is, you have to think about this, the the book in its entirety, students. Okay. Did Jonah ever go? Now you got a 50-50 chance, right? Yes or no. Did Jonah ever go to Nineveh? Did he, and your name again, it's, is it Sierra? I'm sorry? Ava, I'm sorry, Ava. What he never did, try again. He did, that's exactly right. Good job, Ava. Jonah eventually does get to the city of Nineveh, okay? And we'll get there in just a few chapters now, okay? So thank you, students, uh, for rewriting the book of Jonah. Uh, now let's go back to God's Word and see what God's Word has to say, right? Uh, the, the book of Jonah, when we think about, let me just give a few introductory remarks, shall I, to try, maybe correct some of our wrong thinking about Jonah. 
the book of Jonah, uh, often when we think about the book of Jonah, we don't make it past, much past, uh, the first several verses of chapter 2, really, because we are most familiar with Jonah and the whale. And, and again, like Derek referred to, I do hope we can find some pictures of Jonah and, or of, of Derek and, and Michael wrestling this, the, the big whale from Friday night. But oftentimes, when we think about Jonah, uh, we don't get much further than the big fish. And again, we refer to it as a whale, but the Bible doesn't describe it. The Bible describes it as a big fish, uh, more or less. But, but actually, uh, there's four chapters in the book of Jonah. And what we see is uh, God has given Jonah these very specific instructions. Okay, Jonah, as we're going to find, is a prophet of the Lord. And Jonah, I, I titled the sermon series A Reluctant Prophet, but honestly, uh, probably a, a better title for it would be A Rebellious Prophet. Uh, because that's what, exactly what Jonah did, and that's the title of our sermon series. Our sermon this morning is, is Jonah's Rebellion. We're going to see Jonah's Rebellion, especially today. But what we're going to see is Jonah, reluctant, rebelling against God and God's instructions to go and warn Nineveh, to tell the people of Nineveh uh, about God's grace and his mercy. And Jonah says, no, I don't want to do it. And so what God does is in chapters 1 and 2, the first half, is God shows his mercy to Jonah through a whale. And then the Jonah, as we all know, right, Jonah spends three days and nights, not 40, in the belly of the whale. And, and the whale spits, or the fish spits Jonah out, out, out there on dry land. And then, and then we see in chapters 3 and 4, Jonah actually then does go to Nineveh, but Jonah goes to Nineveh reluctantly. And so in the first two chapters of this book, what we're going to see is Jonah, like the prodigal son, of the parable that Jesus tells in the New Testament, like the prodigal son who runs away from the father, right? Who runs away from God. Uh, there's mercy there available for him. And then in the second half, we, we get this sense that Jonah says, okay, I'll obey you, God, but I really don't want to. There in the second half. And so Jonah actually does finally go to Nineveh, but he doesn't do it with a heart of obedience, and in some ways, we almost see that there in the parable of the prodigal son of the older brother that Jesus told, right? And so there, there, it's a really fascinating book, and I, and I think we all are going to enjoy traveling along with it. This morning, we're just going to look at the first three verses as how far we'll get today. Uh, what we do know about Jonah himself is Jonah ministered around the years of 780 to 760 BC. Okay, he was shortly thereafter Elisha. All right, you might remember the prophet Elijah and then Elisha of the Old Testament. Some believe that Jonah very well could have been a, a disciple, he could have worked alongside Elisha the prophet. But when Elisha leaves the scene, we see Jonah uh, stepping into the scene. Jonah is the only recorded prophet whom God gave the specific instruction to go to a Gentile nation, to go to a Gentile people, and warn them. And Jonah is actually the only recorded prophet who, who ran away from God's will. All right, what a distinction to have, right? When we think about Jonah the book, we don't know exactly who authored the book of Jonah, but it's very likely that Jonah himself probably authored the book or, 
or had a lot to say about the, the book itself. Uh, and, and most likely, if Jonah indeed is the author of this book, he probably wrote this book maybe later in life after he has experienced the mercy and the grace that is going to be sown to us here in the book of Jonah. And almost maybe we get the sense that Jonah is giving us a warning himself, even of, of saying, don't be like me here. Uh, the book of, of Jonah has very few prophetic declarations like a lot of the other uh, prophetic books of the Old Testament. Um, what we're going to see is that the book of Jonah helps us to see the depth of God's mercy to sinners. So church, if you are in need of a reminder of God's deep mercy, of God's deep grace, then Jonah is a book for you. And we're going to see that. Um, There's some different themes. We're going to see God's sovereignty. We're going to see the power of God's word. We're going to see Gentiles, enemies of of Jonah, Gentiles believing in the Lord. And uh, we're going to see how this mercy is available for us today. Again, this morning... um, Here's the big idea, all right? We sang about it. Trust and obey God's word. Trust and obey God's word. This is exactly how the book of Jonah begins here in verse one, all right? We see uh, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And we're going to see then in chapter three, again, kind of that second scene or that second act of the book, it begins the same way. Chapter 3 does. You look there at verse 1, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah. So we see that, that God's word, God's word is playing a primary and a pivotal role throughout this book. It also helps us to see that we, as we're going to see this morning, we're going to see, we're going to get to the point to where Jonah, we see Jonah outright rebelling against God's word. My instruction to us, and I think God's instruction to all of us this morning, is that all of us would trust and obey God's word. And there's a reason why I have that word and underlined, because I believe, as we're going to see this morning, it's possible to say I trust in God's word without obeying it. It's actually possible, it seems, to, to trust and believe that God's word is true and is effective, and yet still live in complete rebellion against it. And I hope that will Uh, that all of us will get there this morning. I need lots of of help with this morning's sermon, and so I do want to just stop and pray and ask God to help us this morning. Father, I pray for your spirit now uh, to work in our hearts. Uh, God, I just pray, this is such a, a simple, simple truth. And yet, God, we struggle with it. And what it does is, in our struggle with this simple truth. Um, It leads us into such, it brings such difficulty in our lives. And so, Lord, I just pray now for your spirit to overwhelm our hearts and uh, to uh, guide and direct us as we listen, Father. And thank you for these children. God, I pray that you would help them to be attentive too uh, for what you have to teach them today. In Jesus' name. Amen. So trust and obey God's word. We look here at verse 1, and this is what we're going to uncover, is that God's word is for our benefit. You you see there at verse 1, the book begins, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amidi. 
The language used here is the same language that was used with other prophets of the Old Testament. Right? right from the start, we understand that Jonah's role is that of being a prophet of God. Jonah was given the task to communicate God's messages to his people. Right? Now, in, in this day and age in which we live, we don't have uh, Old Testament prophets, prophets like they had in the Old Testament, because we have God's word already available to us. We, as believers, we have, we have, that, uh, we have the Holy Spirit who helps guide us and directs us in understanding God's word. But, but in the Old Testament, they didn't have God's word uh, in its entirety, in its completion like, like, they, like we do today. And so the role of a prophet was very, very important. Okay, They had a, a high calling, a high task, that as God would speak to the prophet, that God actually would speak through the prophet. And the people anticipated what the prophet had to share them, that it was to their benefit to listen to what the prophet had to say. Think, think of the movies, right? Children, think of, of maybe some of your Disney movies that you've watched where there's a king and the king has a herald. And you might think about the cartoons, right? The herald steps out on the high balcony and what plays? It's a trumpet. They're like... And then all the people, they gather around. And why do they gather around? Because they are anticipating what this herald is going to say. And who does the herald speak on behalf of? The herald speaks on behalf of the king. And it's the king's responsibility, right? And, and so after the trumpet goes, you all like that, don't you? After the, after, after the trumpet plays, then what does the herald say, right? Hear ye, hear ye, hear ye, right? And then, He says something like, the king has spoken these words. And so that's the idea of a prophet, is the prophet is the spokesman. He's the herald for God is what the prophet is. And and so the people would indeed, they would gather as the prophet, as, as Jonah the prophet or the other prophets would go around and they would declare God's word, God's, God's words to the people, the people would anticipate what the prophet would have to say. Now, even though we don't have prophets, even though we don't uh, have heralds that, that speak on behalf of a king like that, we do have God's word presented to us. And in the same way that the people would anticipate and they would know that it's to my benefit to pay attention to what God's word is, what's going to be presented. In the same way, you and I, we should have the same approach to God's word, right? So when you hear the word of the Lord came to Jonah, you should, it should grab your attention. It should cause you to open up your ears to listen. And I, I do wonder at times, as a church, right, as followers of Jesus, when we open up God's word, when we open up the Bible, do we open up the Bible with great anticipation that what is in here is for my benefit? Right? When we come to church on a Sunday morning, do we come anticipating that God is going to speak to your heart and to my heart and that what we hear here is of great benefit to your life, right? I mean, we, sh- we should be committing 
throughout the course of our days to regularly wanting to hear from the Lord through his word because we believe that what God has to tell us here in his word is of great benefit to us. And as we approach God's word, okay, as the word of the, right, the, in the same way that the people would, would wait with anticipation to hear what the prophet would have to say, so too, as we open God's word, we should have anticipation of, God, what do you have for me today in your word? And God, whatever you have for me today in your word, Lord, help me to change, help it to change my heart, help it to change my mind I'm reminded of Romans chapter 12, verse 2, a verse that many of you know, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but what? Be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. When God's word, when you hear God's word, when you read God's word, do you allow it to change your mind? Like, do you allow the benefit of God's word to actually soak down deep into your heart? One of the great concerns that I have with it's, it's a trap that I fall into. It's a trap that I think a lot of us can fall into. And it's a concern that we have with, with many believers is that we fail to understand that God's word is indeed for our benefit. And instead, we simply view God's word as something for our consideration. This is even something that Marin and I in the past have talked about. People, maybe they'll have a struggle in their life and and be going through, working through a difficult situation, and they'll come trying to figure it out, right? How do I work through this? And, and so they're looking for some sort of wisdom and, and feeling as if we, we give some biblical, some, some wisdom, right, that, that is based upon Scripture, and yet there's this sense of, ah, I've tried that before, or that doesn't really work for me, or, or this. And, and as if sometimes it seems as if we, we look at God's Word and we just say, God's Word is for my consideration, and we forget that actually God's word is for our benefit. For our benefit here, church. And so we see in verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amidi. The word of the Lord came to Jonah for the benefit of the people. And then here's the next point, is that God's word is for the benefit of others. Right? What does God tell Jonah now to do? In verse 2, God's word was not only for the people of Israel, but it was also for the rest of the world. God tells Jonah this. He says, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. Again, I, I mentioned already that Jonah is the only recorded prophet who was specifically sent to a Gentile nation to preach in this manner. And what was Jonah's task? Jonah's task was to warn the people of Nineveh about God's judgment. It was an opportunity. Jonah was giving the people of Nineveh an opportunity to turn from their sin and to receive God's mercy. I, I also think as, as believers, maybe sometimes our struggle when it comes to God's word, we hear God's word and maybe someone gives us a warning. And what do we do? We quickly get offended at that person. We, we get offended and, and we say, well, don't, don't be judging me about my life. But we understand that, that these, these words of warning are a means of God's grace, a means of his mercy to give you the opportunity to turn away from that sin in which you're participating in and to return to his way, the right way of living. 
And so Jonah is given this incredible task to go to this city of Nineveh. Now we have to understand, this was an incredible, this was an incredible task that God had given Jonah. And the reason is because Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria. Now, if you understand your Old Testament history, you, you understand the role that Assyria played with the northern kingdom of Israel, okay? Jonah is Jonah's a prophet to the northern kingdom of Israel, of the, Israel the northern kingdom. You still have the southern kingdom, right, that's made up of, of the two tribes that's called Judah. Jonah is, is prophesying there to the northern kingdom, and you know that in just a few short years... The Assyrian Empire, the Assyrian army is going to march and is going to capture the northern kingdom and, and is going to take them off into captivity. So you have to understand, when you hear the word Nineveh, what, Jonah, what God has called Jonah to do is to take his message of grace and mercy to his enemies. Nineveh was the capital of city of, of, of Assyria. Assyria was one of the most powerful empires of the ancient world. Um, Nineveh was about 220 miles northwest of what is modern-day Baghdad. It was about 500 miles away from where, where uh, Jonah was at. Assyria uh, had an army of violence and destruction. Uh, a, a quick Google search I won't share all of the stories of, of what the Assyrian army, the terror and the torture that they did upon their enemies, but it makes a lot of today's movies look like a, a, a Disney movie. Uh, I mean, they were, they were a brutal army. Assyria ruled through fear, brutality, and violence. It had a psychological effect on their enemies. If the Assyrian army was marching toward your city, many of the, the leaders of your city would go out and just beg, would, would give themselves over. They would say, just kill us now. Save us from the torture. And so you have to think about the fact that God has called Jonah to call, essentially call them to repentance. Right? Calling this Gentile nation to repentance is what God has, has given Jonah the task to do. He has said, go and tell you these enemies, this, this mighty army, these rulers, to repent that your wickedness has come before the Lord. And Jonah says, no, I don't want to. One way to think about the task before Jonah, as I would compare it even to modern day, would be uh, God telling a Ukrainian pastor to, to travel to Moscow and to walk throughout the streets of Moscow and say, your wickedness is before the Lord, you need to repent, right? As you think about it in terms that maybe we might be able to understand. And so the instructions given to Jonah are direct and very clear. There's not a lot of explanation. What does God tell Jonah, right? The word of the Lord came to Jonah. God says, do this, go to the the great city of Nineveh, preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. And God wants Jonah to go to that city to preach against it so that the people might know God's grace and his mercy that's available. So it was a difficult task that God, that Jonah was being called to, right? And now we, we understand what is going to happen in just a few verses. Or there, there in, in verse 3, 
that Jonah is going to rebel completely against it. And what does Jonah do? He rebels completely against God's word. Verse 3 shows us Jonah's response. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. For a prophet of the Lord, Jonah's response is a stunning response. Because here we have to understand that God's word is for our benefit. God's word is for the benefit of other people. God gives Jonah this task to take this, his word to this other nation, these Assyrians. And what does Jonah do? It says, but Jonah ran away from the, from the Lord. Now, what are some reasons why, you know, kind of from first glance, why we think maybe Jonah would have run from the Lord, right? I think all of us. If you understand the power and, and the might and the, uh, the, the type of army that the Assyrian army was, I think I would say, I'm checking out on this one because I'm just simply afraid. <laughs> I mean, what's going to happen to me if I go walk through the streets of Nineveh telling them to repent? Another reason why we might think that Jonah uh, would have run from the Lord or run from this task is because it was a, it was a hard task. Sometimes, church, God calls us to do hard things. Sometimes, church, God calls us to do hard tasks that don't make sense. As well, this was a really uncomfortable calling. This was completely out of Jonah's comfort zone. Jonah was comfort, comfort, more comfortable uh, calling out the sins of the Israelites than he was calling out the sins of his enemies. But those are no, none of those are the reasons why Jonah runs. Do you know why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh? Well, later in chapter 4, we learn. And let's go ahead and jump there. And let's get just a quick sneak peek, shall we? But this is helpful to us. Why does Jonah run from the Lord? We see it in verses 2 and 3. Because now... Jonah has, has actually gone to Nineveh. He's, he's been spit out by the fish, and, and he's obeyed God, but he's not happy about it. And what does he do? He preaches this message of repentance to the people of Nineveh, and actually the people respond, and they repent. The people actually repented. And so here's what Jonah says. Here's the reason why Jonah didn't want to go. Verse 2, he prayed to the Lord. Okay, again, the people of Nineveh had just repented, and here's... Jonah's prayer, he prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is why I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and a compassionate God. You are slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. And in verse three, what does he say? Now, Lord, take away my life for it is better for me to die than to live. Why did Jonah not want to go to Nineveh? Here's why. Because he hated the people of Nineveh and he didn't want them to receive God's mercy and grace. He rebelled against it. He hated the people of Nineveh so much that he didn't want them to receive God's mercy and grace. One commentator writes that Jonah was like the Christians today who want God's grace for themselves, but they always want God's judgment against other wicked sinners, especially those who have hurt them. 
how easy it is for us to ask God's blessing for ourselves while we pray. While we ask God to bless us, but at the same time we pray that God would curse the co-worker who slandered our reputation, curse the thief who broke into our house, or the family member who never had a good word for us. Jonah did not want Nineveh to be blessed because of what Nineveh had done before and what Nineveh might do again. Jonah's quarrel with God was with God's grace. And it was born out of revulsion and a hatred and a fear. We forget sometimes that in Exodus chapter 34 verse 6 that God reveals himself to Moses in this way. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And, and God passed in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God is slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. You see, what we find here is that Jonah, he knew God's word. He knew, God's, he knew the power of God's word. He knew that God's word was beneficial, but yet he trusted it. But what did he do? He chose not to obey it. Last weekend, uh, my sister-in-law and my, my brother and his wife and their, their children, they were here and they, some of you met them and they enjoyed the food truck Sunday with us. And my sister-in-law, Sue Ann, uh, just during the course of a conversation, she said, and we talk about parenting thing, they, things, they have children, their daughters are similar in age to our children. And we were talking about when a child disobeys a parent. Right? How, how, how should a parent respond when a child disobeys them, just outright in, in rebellion? Sue Ann gave us, she said, you know, I recently learned that there's two important questions that we should ask a child when they disobey. Just to get some clarity, and the first question is this, did you not understand what I told you to do? All right, so let's clear. Did, did you not understand what I told you to do? And then the follow-up question is, or did you not like what I told you to do, right? Because that child is going to, right, they'll, they'll answer. One of those two questions will answer for their di- this disobedience. Did you not like, did, did you not understand, or did you just not like it? See, the reason why Jonah ran is because he did not like God's instructions to him. Ultimately, as chapter four tells us, Ultimately, because he didn't like the people of Nineveh. But nonetheless, I'd like for us to spend just a few moments here talking about when our hearts rebel against God's instructions. You see, Jonah would rather rebel against God's word than obey it. And this reminds me of our big idea, to trust and obey God's word. Jonah believed God's word. He believed that God's word would indeed come to fruition. He just didn't like it. Instead, preferred rebelling against it. In fact, as we learned there in chapter 4, and we see there in chapter 1 even, where he tells him, just throw me to the fish, Jonah would rather die than obey God's word and allow the Ninevites the opportunity for mercy and grace. In his rebellion, Jonah is running in the exact opposite direction. Tarshish, okay? So let's just say, if over here is Nineveh, that's only 500 miles away from where Jonah's at. If over here is Nineveh, Tarshish is way over here, is about 2,500 miles in the exact 
opposite direction. They believe that Tarshish was probably there on the coast of Spain. And so what we see here is that in his rebellion, Jonah is running in the exact opposite direction. In a sense, going to Tarshish would be like, like Jonah going to, the, to, to, going to the end of the world, right? Almost being off the end of the map, right? If you still believe that the world was flat in that day, you're, you're getting pretty close to the edge. A few observations, though, about our rebellion, okay? As we think about, we're going to talk about God's mercy and grace to our enemies and to sinners and to to you and me, we'll talk about that in the coming days, but to, this morning I want to speak, I want to think specifically about verse 3 and about how our hearts tend to rebel against God's word when we just don't like God's word. We know it's true, but we choose to disobey it because we don't like it. A couple observations, all right? that in our rebellion against God's word, I want you to know that Satan is always happy to accommodate you in your rebellion. Why? How, how do we see this here in verse 3? Jonah ran away from the Lord, right? But Jonah ran away from the Lord. He headed for Tarshish. And what just happened to be sitting there in the port city of Joppa? <laughs> A ship getting ready to set sail for Tarshish. See, when a person decides to run from the the Lord, Satan always provides complete transportation facilities. When we give ourselves, think about this church, because I think many many of us have experienced, when we give ourselves permission to rebel against the Lord and his word, we can be certain that the world will provide the means necessary for us to follow through with our sin. The ship that was setting sail for Tarshish was not an open door of opportunity provided by God. We have to be careful that we don't convince ourselves that the circumstances always are somehow God blessing us in our sinful rebellion. They're not. Instead, it's Satan facilitating us in our rebellion. And he'll do that. As well in our rebellion, we're going to find ourselves making decisions and doing things that we never would have imagined doing while living in obedience to the Lord, right? I mean, seriously, what a crazy idea. Jonah would rather entrust himself to this group of sailors and have to travel nearly 2,500 miles away than to walk in the security of God's will for his life. As well, sin always takes us away from the Lord. Notice, and the NIV doesn't necessarily translate it uh, specifically. It's a good translation, but they kind of miss a little bit. But Jonah, there in verse 3, it says, but Jonah ran away from the Lord. Some translations actually say, but Jonah ran away from the presence of the Lord. And then at the end of that verse, it says, and he sailed for Tarshish to, free, to flee from the Lord. Some translations, again, will say to flee from the presence of the Lord. Essentially what Jonah is trying to do here in his rebellion, why? Because he, he understands clearly God's word. He just doesn't like it. He trusts God's word. He just doesn't want to be obedient to God's word here in his call. And so what, what our sin always will do and what we will always find ourselves trying to do when we are knowingly participating in a rebellious Activity against the Lord and God and His Word 
is our goal will be to try to get away from God's presence. In fact, think about Adam and Eve all the way back in the book of Genesis in those early chapters. After they disobeyed God, what did they want to do? They sought to hide from the presence of the Lord. And so Christian, if you find yourself wanting If you find yourself distracted from being with other believers, if you find yourself not seeing the importance of gathering with other believers, if, if you find yourself being separated from the church or that, that the idea of living a life in isolation sounds really pleasing, I do wonder if maybe it's because there's some sort of sin that we've given ourselves over to and that when we're in the presence of other believers, we sense this conviction of our sin. Because ultimately what Jonah wanted is he just wanted out of God's presence. And so he's thinking that maybe this ship to Tarshish will get me out of God's presence. But we know as the psalmist tells us, where can I go from your presence, Lord? I'll go up to the mountaintop and there you are. I go to the valley and there you are. I go, go to the back part of a cave and you're there too. We can't get away from it. And praise God, God's mercy does come after us. In the same way that God came searching in his mercy and his grace, God came searching for Adam and Eve in the garden. God comes searching and comes chasing after Jonah as well and finds Jonah. Like God's means of grace and mercy to Jonah there in the raging sea is the belly of a whale. That's God's grace and his mercy to him. And that God's grace and mercy always comes after you in your rebellion. And so I, I, I come back to this, and it seems like kind of in the sermon this morning, there's maybe been a number of themes running throughout. But I come back to this, this idea of trusting and obeying God's word. We see the word of the Lord came to Jonah. We see that, that God's word is driving is driving this narrative, is driving this true story. Jonah is crystal clear. He understands. He says, I, I understand your word right here. It's clear. It's not that I misunderstand it. It's just verse 3. I just don't want to obey it. And I wonder if maybe that's you. I think of some of y'all who are, right, students were starting school this week. Some of you are going back to college. Some of you are starting college for the first time. You're going to be presented with opportunities in your mind and in your heart to say, okay, I know what God's word is. I believe God's word is true. But right now, I'm just going to choose not to obey it. And I guess my warning to you is don't go down that road. Because the moment you commit yourself to running from God, to running from his word, Satan and the world will, will be more than happy to accommodate you 
in that pursuit. And ultimately what will happen is your disobedience to God's word will lead you to places that you never dreamed you'd ever go. And you'll get there faster than you ever thought possible. And that's why the book of Jonah is so important to us. Because even now, if you sit there and you think, I'm, right now, I, ha- I am living in rebellion to God's word. I know what God's word says, but I've made a decision. I've made an arrangement. I've entered into some, something like this. And I've done this with full knowledge that it's in rebellion to what God tells me. Can I tell you something? Jonah's for you because God in his grace and his mercy will come after you to save you from that. But man, let's just make God's job a lot easier, okay? And not step into that so that we can experience his joy and the fullness of life that he has. And so how can we apply this to our lives today? Well, first of all, commit to trusting and obeying God's word. To actually live in obedience to it. And make that commitment. As you go off to college, as you go back to college, as you start school, as we go into our workplaces, make that commitment and say, God, help me to live according to your word and to obey. And then here for the children, all right, kids, listen up. All right, how, how can you apply this? Commit to trusting and obeying your parents. It really is that easy, children, right? I mean, it's that simple. Because God has given you your parents to help that, that when you learn to obey your parents, you know what you're learning to do? You're learning how to obey God. Because how can you ever obey the God who is unseen if you've not learned to obey your parents who are seen? And so parents, you have a great responsibility that as you teach your children to obey, you're helping them learn to obey God. 